live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And there's so much to talk about this Friday evening. If you want to join us on our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free to do it, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And the shooter, the madman with a gun who uh, murdered 18 people in Maine, who was originally reported as 22, thank God it didn't get that high, uh, Robert Card has been found dead in the woods. Now, this is interesting because I was having a sidebar conversation with my producer here in the studio, and he said, you know, I bet you anything they're going to find him, and he's going to be dead. And I said, oh, no, they're going to want to kill him. They're going to find him alive. They're going to take him. And uh, he, he was right. So that's exactly how that went down, the main a uh, madman with a gun, crazy guy, Robert Card, found dead after a two-day manhunt. Robert Card, uh, the body of the 40-year-old trained firearms instructor uh, with mental health issues, was located. His body was located in the woods uh, near Maine Recycling, near Lisbon, Maine, where his vehicle and gun were found after the shooting, according to federal law enforcement uh, sources. Card was the subject of a massive manhunt in connection with two shootings in Lewiston, blah, blah, blah. What I want to know is how this guy died, right? Did he shoot himself? Because, you know, they should lead with that, right? Death by suicide. So the um, this guy's a real loser through and through. He went, he killed a bunch of people, and then he kills himself. Absolute loser. We're going to get into this a little bit more. Uh, with uh, one of our guests uh, just um, in a little bit. But first, I want to get into some of the um, the other topics that are happening today. This is a really interesting one here. And again, we talk about it a lot here, but Biden is in a free fall. He's dropped 11 points amongst Democrats, according to the latest Gallup poll, just this month. His approval rating amongst Democrats in the respondents to the Gallup poll collapsed by double digits over the last month, resulting in a mere 37% overall job performance. That's not good. 37%, that means 63% disapprove. That's one of his lowest uh, in his whole presidency. Now, according to the Gallup poll that was released yesterday, 75% of Democrat respondents approve of Biden's uh, job performance overall. And this is down... 11 points from last month's poll. I don't know how they find such a high number. How could 75% think he's doing a great job? That's just absolutely crazy. Anyway, uh, 59% of those surveyed think Biden's doing a poor job as president. It's kind of hard to follow these things. Uh, responses from Republicans remain unchanged, according to the poll. Only 5% said they approve of Joe, that Joe Biden is uh, of the job. <laughs> This is great. 5% actually say they approve of his job as president. 59% overall think whatever. Uh, 75% of, of Democrats 
and the other overall number is 63. Not good for Joe El Baloso Biden. Now, uh, or actually, it's it's um, 59 plus plus the other number here. There's <clears throat> a lot of numbers, and they also survey you know how he's doing on the economy and how he's doing on other areas. A uh, thousand respondents, actually a thousand nine, and this was a three week poll from October 2nd to the 23rd. Listen, I don't think you need too many polls to look at Joe Biden and say he's not doing a good job. But does that mean he's a shoe in to, to be out of the White House? One would think theoretically, yes. But yesterday I went to a, uh, a cancer uh, benefit and I saw a buddy of mine, Professor Fernando Uribe. And Professor Uribe is a, a political scientist. I've known him for a long time. And we were talking and he said, you know, my analysis on this is that there's too much Trump fatigue and Biden's going to get reelected. And I said, well, what makes you think that? And he said, well, I just think he said he's not Trump. And, and that was his his bottom line is that he's not Trump. And because he's not Trump, people will hold their nose and vote for uh, inflation that, you know, hit record highs, but is starting to come down, albeit slowly. And people are going to vote for a border that's absolutely out of control. And people are going to vote for um, instability globally. And all of that is going to happen just because he's not Trump. Now, of course, uh, I don't see it that way. Maybe some of you agree and see it that way, but I don't. Um, I'm a very optimistic person, and I don't believe that Americans are going to reelect Joe Biden. I I hope they don't. It's my sincere hope. Uh, Would it surprise me? No. It would disappoint me for sure. But when you look at what's happening at the border, with 2023 being marked the worst year ever at the border, 3.2 million nationwide encounters, right? We're having more encounters than we've ever had before. I mean, this is the absolute worst. Encounters at the southwest border in uh, 2023 increased over 40% from 2021. That's crazy. And when you compare it to 2019, it's more than 100%. That's insanity. A total of 2.47 million illegal immigrant encounters were reported at the southern border for 2023. I mean, you just can't, you, you can't make this up. And remember, these are not people that are being turned away. These are people that are being given a, um, uh, you know, a, a court date or whatever and, and, and a a bag filled with a cell phone and whatnot and sent to whatever city they need to go to while they wait because they're quote unquote asylum seekers, even though they don't uh, qualify for asylum. Now there's an additional almost 190,000, 189,402 to be exact, illegal immigrant encounters at the Northern border during 2023. That's an increase of 80,000 encounters over the last year. Crazy. Now, uh, the um, the House committee, let me see which committee this was. Doesn't oh, House Committee on Homeland Security highlighted the increase in border encounters in 2023 compared to previous years, calling the figure another unprecedented milestone under the DHS secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden's open border policies. And that's putting it lightly. You know, my opinion of this is that Joe Biden is literally complicit in the largest human smuggling operation we've ever seen. It's happening right at our southern border. 
And it's almost like an underground railroad of bringing people into this country. And the United States is complicit in it. I can say that I'm sure we've been complicit in lots of things over the years, but this is definitely not something that we should be complicit in. Anyway, um, we're going to get into a few different things tonight. I want to talk about this shooter uh, with a former uh, lieutenant commander from the New York City Police Department. Uh, you've seen him on Fox News. Joe Cardinale is going to join us in a little bit. I also want to get to some polls and these polling numbers that we just talked about with uh, Joe Biden. I want to dig into that Um Nothing, 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 nothing uh, shocking there. Uh, what would be shocking is if we see Biden get reelected. So we're going to talk about that as well. And we're also going to get into um, a little bit of a conversation on what's going on with uh, Speaker Mike Johnson. Apparently, they've uh, pushed a few pieces of legislation forward already. And many are saying he's hitting the ground running. So I want to do that. Of course, your calls are coming up throughout the program on topic. And then open phone America in the third hour of the program where you can talk about absolutely anything you like. So get comfortable. I'm with you straight till 1 a.m. for the next couple of hours. It's me, Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Do you see in Joe Biden a cognitive decline? And if so, is that a danger to the country? I do. I think most of us do. That's reality. It's, this is not a personal slight to him. It, it has to do with, with age and acumen, and everyone's different. Everyone ages differently. Clearly, if you look at a tape of Joe Biden making an argument in the Senate Judiciary Committee a few years ago, and you, you see a speech that he delivers now, there's a difference. Um, again, I mean, it's, it's not a, a personal insult to him. It's just reality. And this is, this is what's concerning to us, is that we, we, we cannot project weakness of any kind on the world stage right now. This is a dangerous time for all the things going on around the world. The world is a tinderbox. A strong America is good for the whole world, and we have to project strength. I mean, Reagan used to remind us all the time, it's peace through strength. If, if America shows weakness, mm-hmm. it invites aggression by our adversaries, and that's what you're seeing around the world. That is Speaker Mike Johnson on the Fox News Channel earlier um, discussing his thoughts on uh, the cognitive decline of Joe Biden, who I like to call Joe El Baboso Biden. And I want to get into that and this uh, these the Gallup poll and all the poll numbers uh, that indicate that Biden has just continued to decline, not just cognitively, but in the polls as well. And I want to do that with Dick Morris. He's the host of Dick Morris Democracy on Newsmax TV, and he's the author of the brand new book, Corrupt, the inside story of Biden's dark money. Dick Morris, welcome back, sir. Well, thank you. And uh, how timely. The I just got a poll back from McLaughlin <clears throat> from Spolster, and uh, he shows Trump with a five-point lead over Biden. Uh, some polls have him at six or seven. And most importantly, he shows Trump getting 27% of the black vote. In 2020, he got 12%. And uh, 39% of the Latino vote. In 2020, he got uh, 27%. So, I mean, and, and then among the Gen Z voters that Biden carried by 20 points in 2020, 
uh, Trump is now ahead by 10. So in all of the fundamentals that the Democratic Party depends on, Biden has crashed. And it's not just that he's fallen 15 or so points in head to head over the last uh, <clears throat> over the last year. It's that in the key demographic groups, the pillars that the Democratic Party rests on, he's absolutely fallen apart. Well, Dick Morris, it seems to me uh, that it's becoming very clear to a lot of Americans that having Biden in the White House is detrimental for the United States. And now, more recently, even detrimental to global security. Would you agree? And dangerous and dangerous, uh, because the point that uh, Mike Johnson made on your in that interview a few minutes ago is so true. Uh, the world pounces when they see this kind of weakness at the top. Um, and it's been it's so evident at this point. I, my book is it basically talks about the corrupt relationship between Biden and China and talks about all the money that Biden got from China. It's a huge amount in many different ways, many different shell companies. But the most important thing is what China has gotten out of Biden, uh, sometimes inadvertently and sometimes inadvertently. But look at COVID. I mean, that is probably the greatest defense against humanity since the Holocaust. Mm. And there has been no investigation of it, no visits to the lab by international inspectors, no putting anybody under oath and examining them. And uh, there are some theories that the Chinese say it was a bat bite, but most people don't believe that. Uh, most people <laughs> believe that it was uh, a leak, a lab leak. Of course. I believe that it was, I believe it may have been deliberate. And I asked the question, what the hell was China or anybody doing monkeying with a virus to make it more transmissible and more lethal? Right. And uh, the fact that 7 million people died over it classifies, I think, as the greatest war crime since the Holocaust. And Biden has not held them accountable because they pay him $30 million. It's, it's absolutely insane. And, and Biden seems to appease China every step of the way, every now and again, yeah. sending Blinken or somebody else to, you know, have a little bit of tough talk. Um, what are your thoughts with the current response that uh, we've had to our troops being attacked by drones overseas? Well, look, the drones are for the most part made by Iran and or at least, yeah, made by Iran. And Iran was absolutely bankrupt on, on, the, uh, on, on the, not just the back foot, the balls of it, you know what. And uh, they got, they for the foreign currency reserves when Trump left office was $6 billion. That's less than Haiti has. Now they're over 70 because the first thing Biden did was to give them permission to sell oil. And uh, they went from, uh, from selling eight or nine million barrels uh, a day to from 89 million barrels a year to three million barrels a month, a, a day, I'm sorry, 3.1 million a day. And uh, it absolutely changed the whole financial picture. It made them a wealthy country and they put all the money right into weapons to go after Israel. So uh, I think all of these attacks, you know, we talk about Hamas, we talk about Hezbollah, they're horrible organizations. I wish them to be all wiped out as ISIS was. But uh, ultimately, we have to pay attention to who's bankrolling these. And uh, they're being bankrolled by Iran. And Iran is enabled because uh, Joe Biden let them off the hook. 
and let uh, let them sell oil. And with that, uh, with that, he gave them a bunch of hostages and six billion dollars, and then froze that back. It, why? Yeah. Do you, it, I believe Biden is just not just weak, but very complicit in in favoring Iran, favoring China. Yeah. And and I, I don't honestly, I don't know if it's just money, if it's bribery or is it that he like ideologically aligns with them? What are your thoughts? I think with Iran, it might be ideological. Obama may have sold them some garbage but that, mm-hmm. that Israel is a colonial power. But um, with uh, with Ukraine and China, it's just simple bribery. Let me give you another example. China is working now overtime. It's getting rid of the dollar as the international currency, which would be horrible for the U.S. Trump said it would be our worst defeat in 200 years. And Biden does nothing about it. You don't even hear him talking about it. Um, China has a monopoly now on rare earth minerals which are what powers the windmills and the solar energy and the and uh, GPSs and all guidance systems. And uh, there was a proposal made that matured and, and got to the, uh, to the approval stage to build a rare earth mineral mine in Minnesota that would replace about 30% of our needs. And Biden vetoed it just a few months ago, saying it endangered a lake. Uh, China has a policy now that says that if a U.S. company moves to China, as, as soon as they do, they've got to surrender all of their intellectual property and patents to China. And uh, we let that happen. Trump would find them with tax, with tax write-offs and with other penalties for it. But Biden does nothing. Uh, Kennedy almost brought the world into a world war over having big, big Russian bases in Cuba. And now China's opening a base in Cuba. And there's no accountability. I mean, this guy is just totally out to lunch. Uh, but I believe it's not just senility. I think it's, it's, it's payback. Yeah. Folks, we're on with Dick Morris. Uh, you know Dick Morris from Newsmax TV. He's the host of Dick Morris Democracy. And uh, you see him on Newsmax all the time. He was also chief strategist for Bill Clinton's reelection campaign. And now he serves as an advisor to uh, the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. We're coming right back to continue discussing Dick Morris's new book, Corrupt, the Inside Story of Biden's Dark Money. Plus your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't move a muscle. We're coming right back with Dick Morris and me, Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Are you running for president? I am. I have to. Congressman Dean Phillips, a Minnesota Democrat, is launching a bid for the White House. Even he calls a long shot. 
taking on an incumbent president he still praises. I think President Biden has done a spectacular job for our country, but it's not about the past. This is an election about the future. That is Congressman Dean Phillips from Minnesota on CBS This Morning saying that he is running for president. Our guest is Dick Morris, host of Dick Morris Democracy on Newsmax TV, former chief strategist for President Clinton's reelection campaign. And he now serves as an advisor to the former president, Donald J. Trump. Dick Morris is also the author of Corrupt Inside, the inside story of Biden's dark money. Dick Morris, when you hear um, Congressman Dean over here saying that he's running for president, it's going to be an uphill battle because he doesn't have the dark money that Biden has. Yeah, well, it'll be a, a he's not going to go anyplace. But um, <clears throat> but what could happen is that Biden's poll numbers are so bad. And if they continue to drop, particularly among blacks and Latinos and young people, uh, he may have he may be forced out. And particularly as the uh, stuff about China that I write about in my book and Comer is exposing in his hearings becomes increasingly known and will be if there's an impeachment trial. Uh, he may be forced out. And then a lot of people say, well, then the Democrats have a real chance. But the thing to remember about that is that the Democratic candidate, whoever it is, be it Gavin Newsom or even Michelle Obama, have to go through a baptism of fire because the Democrats have taken positions on issues that are so extreme and so crazy that who can defend them? And uh Biden has kind of gotten, we've gotten used to Biden with it, but they have to say, are you for reparations? You know, 300,000 bucks per family uh, or for, for slavery in the Civil War. Uh, are you in favor of critical race theory, officially saying that whites have advanced because of racism only? Are you in favor of gender change operations, surgery on 12-year-olds where the parents don't know about it and they're child just changes gender without their consent or knowledge. They have to defend those positions, and uh, it's going to be very hard to do so. Biden's largely escaped blame for them because he's an incumbent, and those are not core parts of his record. But any new candidate coming in is going to have to defend them, otherwise they'll lose the base vote. They'll lose the black vote, they'll lose the gays, they'll lose the key elements of the Democratic Party, and they'll never win the primary that way. So they have to take positions in the primary that will doom them in the general election. And that's the prospect that they would face if Biden pulled out. Now, Dick Morris, the last time you were on the program, you'd, you'd mentioned that you didn't believe that Biden would, in fact, be the um, the the nominee that actually runs in November and that there was some speculation about Hillary Clinton or potentially Michelle Obama. Uh, do you think yeah. the, the are you, when you read the tea leaves now, do you think that's still the case? Do you think Biden is going to make it yeah. to Election Day or do you think there's a switcheroo somewhere? Well, I don't know if it's a switcheroo, but I do think there's a good chance he'll be forced out of the race. Uh, when before the or after the convention? The, before. Now. Uh, when the uh, when the facts come out about all of the dealings with China and their irrefutable evidence, checks from his uh, siblings to Joe uh, with using foreign money, uh, I think that could knock him out of the race. And, uh, and it doesn't take much to knock. He's hanging on by his fingernails. Uh, and uh, so I think that's a real possibility. Now, 
of the candidates you mentioned, you mentioned Gavin Newsom, uh, Michelle Obama, and maybe potentially Hillary Clinton. Who do you think is best positioned to to step in and actually make it work for the Democrats? I, I don't think any of them can. Uh, I think that uh, Michelle probably starts off the best. But as I said, you know, it's a lot harder for an African-American to be elected president now than was in 2008. Back in 2008, Obama could run as the candidate of healing and unity and reconciliation, the post-racial candidate, uh, as he was called. And uh, now you can't do that because the party has taken such crazy positions and you have to take those positions to have a ghost of a chance in the primary to make it impossible to run that way. And um, I'm not sure any of them really have much of a chance. Now, a lot of people suggest that Gavin Newsom is running a shadow campaign trying to position himself. If he's doing that and he doesn't file, do you think that his hope is to try to get nominated from the floor like in a contested convention? No, no, that's that's a figment of the past. I I think that if he uh, I think that if Biden pulls out or is forced out, he'll declare and he'll run. Uh, I don't think he'll do anything as long, long as Biden is in. But Biden has become both inevitable and inescapable for the Democrats. Uh, They'd love to get out from under him, but they can't unless he moves aside. But increasingly, I think his options are being limited. And I think that Trump is now obviously ahead of him. You know, we've gone from people saying Trump can't get the nomination. Why should he run? DeSantis is, uh, is the candidate we should back to saying, well, Trump is going to win, but just the nomination, he can win the election, to now saying Trump is ahead in the election and en route to winning. He's losing in court, but he's winning in the polls. Yeah, that makes sense. Folks, we're on with Dick Morris. He's the host of Dick Morris Democracy, and you see him on Newsmax TV all the time. He was the chief strategist for President Clinton's reelection campaign And he now serves as an advisor to the former president, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of these United States, who I like to call El Trumpito. And he's written a book, Corrupt, the Inside Story of Biden's Dark Money. We're going to walk through that book in the next segment, so don't miss it. We're coming right back with Dick Morris and me, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We're on with Dick Morris. You know him from television. You know him from the Clinton administration. He was uh, the chief strategist for the reelection campaign of President Clinton. And uh, then he saw the light, and now he's serving as an advisor to former President Donald J. Trump. He's always been a great pollster. And Dick Morris is with us. He's written a brand-new book, Corrupt, the Inside Story of Biden's Dark Money. And this is a, a really important topic, I think, because 
every day we hear about new crazy things that are happening with respect to corruption and criminality in the Biden family. China, Ukraine, the money that Hunter got from Moscow and Burisma and you name it. I mean, they're all over the place. And it's all chronicled in this book. It's something you don't want to miss from uh, best-selling author Dick Morris. Dick Morris, walk us through the book. Well, you got to understand that the U.S. ethics laws uh, do not require any disclosure from your brothers or your sisters uh, or your cousins or any of that. It's simply you and your wife. Right. So Biden just drove a truck through that and sent his whole family around the world in search of business deals and bribes. Uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary, I went to the Secretary of State, sent them all over the world uh, to do charitable events and to do what they called that, but they really weren't, and to give speeches for fees, which they then gave to the Clinton Foundation, which they then pocketed. But this is much more insidious because these were business deals in Ukraine, in Romania, in Kazakhstan, in Uzbekistan, in Costa Rica, one after the other, in Iraq, one after the other, where they would cut themselves in. They, for example, got Biden to support uh, working in a solar energy development in Costa Rica. And the head of it is uh, is uh, Biden's brother. Uh, they, uh, they, got, they got a contract to rebuild stuff in Iraq. And the head of that is James Biden. The, uh, they, they got this deal with Burisma, where they complete, took a corrupt energy company and, and gave it tremendous power. And uh, it's because Hunter Biden sat on the board of directors. And he has literally spread his family around the world as a crime organization. And it really is the Joe Biden crime family. It's it's shocking when when you see it come out. And, and James Comer has done an excellent job at, at putting a lot of this out there for the public to see. And uh, authors yes. like yourself and others have, have uh, chronicled this. But I feel like the message doesn't get out enough. I mean, for a little while, it seemed like uh, the Washington Post and even Jake Tapper on CNN kind of, um, you know, pushed back a little bit saying, but, you know, Hunter did make a bunch of money from from China and Ukraine. And they were saying that he didn't and was um, Biden lying. But it's a flash in the pan and it goes away. Is this because of the Democrats' ability to control the media or is there just a general disinterest in this? No, I don't think so. I think there's tremendous interest in it. Uh, Just there's a war going on and and the um, the speaker fight and all kinds of stuff distracted attention from it. Right. But I think that uh, I think that Johnson is going to push this investigation and it'll lead to impeachment and the impeachment. Well, I think that it won't throw Biden out. The impeachment process will unearth all of this stuff in testimony and exhibits and actual checks from the bank accounts, like the $200,000 that just got revealed the other day that Biden got from James uh, for a loan repayment that uh, that Joe Biden paid for him, and he kind of got it back as a payoff. Right. Uh, all of this stuff is going to really build up. And I think the image is going to be that Joe Biden is not only old, not only weak, not only senile, but corrupt as hell. And <laughs> I think that image is, is taking root, and, uh, and I think it's going to become the predominant narrative about Biden. You know, it's so odd because Trump is the one who's under indictment, but Biden right. is the one who's getting the reputation for corruption.
do you see a scenario um, unfolding where if, if there is an impeachment hearing and this goes to um, to a trial and irrespective of a conviction where this all comes out that the Democrats really totally sour on him and say, you know what, it's time for you to go. We've got yeah. to got to pull out. Yeah. Do you think that's in the cards? Yeah, I think that may be. Uh, I think there's a limit to how far the Democrats can let Biden sink uh, without pulling the plug on him. Uh, the key here is to look at the black, Latino and Gen Z votes, the enclaves that are the core of the Democratic Party. Among black voters in 2020, Biden got uh, Trump got 12 percent in the poll. I just got back yesterday. He's getting 27 percent. And in 2020, he got 27 percent of the Hispanic vote. Now he's getting 39 and he lost the Gen Z vote by about 20 points. And now he's about 10 ahead. And those those reversals, which undermine the, the core of the Democratic Party, they can't take lightly. And uh, as, and I think that the war has so weakened Biden because it's made everybody understand how dangerous the world is, how tough it is, and how vulnerable we are with a leader who can't finish an English sentence or climb, climb up a flight of stairs. <laughs> I've never seen anybody trip up the stairs more than Joe Biden. Uh, Dick right, Morris, right. let everybody know how they can get a couple of copies of your book. Well, go to Amazon, and uh, it's uh, the book is called Corrupt, the inside story of Biden's dark money. And, uh, and you can order it there, and you you buy it uh, as an e-book, and they send you a print copy uh, for no extra charge. Uh, so uh, do that. It, it's it's a it's a collection of information you're not going to get anyplace else, both in terms of the bribes that Biden took and what he gave to China in return. Outstanding. And uh, if people want to follow the work that you're doing and keep up to speed with everything that you're up to, uh, where do they go? Well, well, uh, I'm on Newsmax a lot, and I have a website, DickMorris.com. And more importantly, every day, every single day for 12 years, uh, except weekends, every single day, I do a video about what's going on in politics. Uh, Saturdays, it's a history video about the past. So Monday through Friday, it's, a, it's about what's going on. And you can subscribe for free. Just, uh, just fill in the form for your name and email, and I'll send it to you every morning. Outstanding. Sign up for the newsletter, folks. Dick Morris. Again, the book, Corrupt, the Inside Story of Biden's Dark Money with a forward by Peter Navarro, a real patriot there. And uh, Dick Morris, I want to thank you for staying up late and being with us. Invaluable insight, and I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it too, Rich. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Our work, again, is not done here. Um, 
I was very elated tonight when I got the call from Commissioner Sawchuck um, advising me of uh, the revelation of what took place and that Mr. Carn is deceased and no longer a threat to our community or any other community. Um, I just don't want to forget the, the families that are grieving and will continue to grieve. I don't want to forget the law enforcement officials that have worked tirelessly throughout this whole event uh, to come to a good conclusion. That is David St. Pierre, Chief of Police in Lewiston, Maine, uh, discussing what happened earlier. The uh, the body of 40-year-old trained firearms instructor Robert Card was found after allegedly killing 18 people at a bowling alley and a bar. And, and something he just said I think was very um, important. He said he doesn't want to forget the families that are grieving. And... I feel like I myself forget that. And not because I, I'm flippant about it, but because that's tough, right? It's really tough to stay in those uh, in that headspace where you think about all these people that lost, you know, 18 different families out there that lost somebody. And I guess it's easier to be insensitive than it is to just hate this guy for, for being um, the D-bag that he is. And, and I also feel for the guy because he was probably crazy. And he knew he was crazy, and he went to a place to uh, to say he was crazy, and that he thought, you know, he was hearing voices saying to shoot up a certain uh, armory or whatever. And th this whole situation is bad. You know, it's like you want to hate the bad guy, but the bad guy's a hurt guy, and the dead people are are dead, and the families are hurt, and it's like it's a loss all around, and it it sucks. And uh, we're, we're gonna have a discussion on on what this looks like uh, from. Uh, the law enforcement perspective coming up. But I got to tell you from the individual perspective, from a personal point of view, I think the whole thing is absolutely horrible. Uh, this guy didn't have a, a history of being a thug and, and, you know, being a criminal. The guy had a history of, of needing help and not getting it. And that's something I think from, from top to bottom, right? Whether you end up becoming some sort of crazy shooter or you end up, you know, just not having the, the most robust life possible. Mental health is one of those things that we really have to keep a close eye on and not write off. And for years, they've talked about the stigma of mental health and how people frown upon it. And, that, and that's fine. That's, it's a thing. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that. And I think we are tackling it as we speak, right? There's a reality that ultimately uh, we've seen it during COVID with so many young people being displaced from school and then becoming anxious and depressed. And I don't think there's much space for anybody anymore to say, ah, that's not a thing. It's all in your head. Mental illness is a real thing. We're seeing it uh, rear its ugly head time and again. And I don't know if it's something that we can completely eradicate like many things that are difficult in our society, but it's definitely something that we need to address, right? Just like anything else. It's a problem, and we've got to work on fixing it. All right, folks, we're going to continue this conversation. I'm uh, looking forward to speaking with you guys as well. 833-482-5337 uh, is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. Coming right back after this quick pause with more in hour number two of America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 
17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Friday night edition of the program. Happy to be with you. I'm with you till 1 a.m. Eastern time, so for another two hours, we're going to have some interesting discussion this hour, and we're going to, of course, tackle open phones and hear what everybody out there has to say in the third hour of the program. If you want to join us, give me a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And earlier, oh, we got a little encore there. And earlier, we had a press conference uh, regarding Robert Card. He's the suspect believed to be responsible for one of Maine's deadliest mass shootings. He's been found dead two days after allegedly killing 18 people at a bowling alley and a bar. And that's according to law enforcement sources. And earlier, uh, Governor Janet Mills from Maine gave the following comment. Listen to this. I stand here to t tonight to simply report that the Maine State Police have located the body of Robert Card in Lisbon. He is dead. So Robert Card is dead. My initial reaction was, how did he die? Well, the Commissioner of Public Safety, Michael Sauschuk, he answered that one for us. Listen to this. Uh, there are reports that he was found with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Can you confirm that? Yes, I can confirm that. It's an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. So this guy decides to flip out. He kills 18 people at a bowling alley and then a bar. And then he goes on the run. And then he kills himself. It's uh, lose, lose, lose all around. The only benefit is that this guy's not on the loose anymore, hurting anybody else. And I'm guessing that by him killing himself, he knew he did something wrong. And uh, it was bad enough to take his own life. So I'm sure it wasn't a happy moment for him at the end. And honestly, I feel um, some level of remorse for the guy. Uh, despite what he did. And uh, he's still a monster, right? This guy's a monster. He took the lives of 18 people, and there's 18 grieving families out there, uh, but he's not doing it anymore. And all around, I think this is loss after loss after loss. There's no win in this situation except the fact that he's not going to hurt anybody else. And I want to talk about this a little bit with um, retired NYPD Lieutenant Commander and Fox News contributor Joe Cardinale. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me tonight, Rich. You bet. So what's your uh, reaction to uh, the breaking news that Robert Card was found dead? I had a little, not a bet, but uh, a little bit of a conversation with my producer, and I said, no, 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 they're going to get him. They're not going to let him kill himself. They're going to want to catch this guy. And he said, I bet you anything they're going to find him dead. Um, did you expect this to happen uh, based on your experience or what? We, we had two scenarios, and this being one of them. All right. The other one was that he was going to go out in a blaze of glory. Mm. All right. So that's that was the other theory on it. But when you think about it, I mean, my gut feeling the whole time was he was not leaving that area because that was his comfort zone. He knew that area and he was going to stay there. So the fact that he chose to stay there, that he knew eventually they would catch up to him. I mean, there was so so many speculations on this case. And I have to give it to the uh, you know, give credit to the uh, main state police. 
and for the you know public safety and for the governor. The way they held those press conferences were very limited. Uh, they were brief, to the point, got out, conducted business. They knew the direction they had to go. They went to the locations. They did everything the protocol calls for. And people are just are wondering, why isn't it happening faster, this and that? Because things just don't happen like in the movies. Things right. go methodically. And the fact that, you know, you find out about his mental health issues, that was like the biggest red flag that was up there prior to and after. All right. Because now you find out that this, this subject was on the uh, radar and kind of fell through the cracks. And there's been so many theories on that as well. You know, who's to blame? They actually were blaming New York State at one point. Somebody said, well, he was in New York State and they had him up in West Point and uh, the, they had the... Uh, uh, you know, they should have told the authorities that he was there and that this is what was going on. But people failed to realize this was brought on by the government through the army, all right, through the reserves. And it was incumbent on them, if anybody, <clears throat> to come ahead, uh, across and say, listen, this individual has this. But that being said, that's tomorrow. You know, that's tomorrow. That's the next day. Right. That's the key not today. Thing is what you said. He's he's out of the, you know, he's uh, out of the out of the picture right now, you know, he took his own life and the, the people in, in Maine can, can relax right now. And they really held it together. I mean, you had so many interviews. I don't know whether you watched some of them and people saying, I'm hunkered down. I have my gun, you know, we're staying in, we're doing as we're told. And that's it. It was a matter of fact for them for that. And they said, we'll do what we have to do until this guy is caught. They shut down the schools, the colleges, the municipalities, everything was shut down and the town was shut down. A couple of towns were shut down and they, for a couple of days, they did what they had to do to find somebody, and they did, and they found them dead. So it was one of the two scenarios. Now, Lieutenant Commander Joe Cardinale, when, when you look at a case like this uh, through your career, uh, first of all, have you been through something similar to this, this type of manhunt uh, of somebody that was mentally ill and shooting people? We've always had, you know, people with, you know, mentally ill uh, perps that we had to deal with, you know, people that have, you know, barricaded themselves, people that shot people, went to the roof and shooting at helicopters, nothing of this magnitude of 18 people dead. All right. We've had triple homicides, quadruple homicides by somebody, but those are, you know, explained later on through whatever means. All right. A drug shootout, whatever it is, but right. the manhunt is the manhunt. And the way these manhunts are going lately, the way they have to bring in specialized units and everything it's becoming matter of fact in a lot of places in America. I mean, we had Daniel Cavacante and you had the same team that was looking for him over here at, at this location. So, you know, the face of crime changes and so does policing. And we stay with the times and we try to, you know, do whatever we can. I don't want the listeners to think that, you know, they wanted him dead. You were right. They did want him alive because they, they for the family's sake and for the town's sake and everybody, they wanted to rhyme a reason to this. Yeah, and the only thing they could do is put the you know the pieces of the puzzle together, and say you know uh, he uh, he did this for this reason. They do have some idea of possibly uh, ex girlfriend, and supposedly there was a suicide note left for his son. So I mean that was a strong indication there whether he was going to go out in a blaze of glory, it was just going to take his own life, and you know it was just a question of you know finding him either before or after which they found him after. So, uh, I mean, they'll put every piece together from social media, from everything. And you'll start getting the people that said, well, you know, I didn't think about it then, but he did say something to this effect. You'll get people that served with him in the army and say, he did say this, he did right. do that. But people take things as a matter of fact. But when somebody has 
mental health issues. And you know about that. The family knew and they were saying, you know, we, we didn't know why nothing was being done about it. Well, maybe you should push the buttons a little further and say, listen, you need to come. Who knows if they knew he had these weapons? Who knows if they somebody did take weapons and he had to stash someplace else? You just don't know mm-hmm. because each individual, each criminal mind works different. You know, I look at this and, and uh, you know, and I was really looking forward to talking to you about this because I, I feel like I look at it and I think when, when you hear that the guy was institutionalized for schizophrenia or whatever it was, saying he heard voices and he he, he voiced the, the idea that he should go shoot a Army Reserve Armory. Uh, when you hear something like that and, and somebody was actually committed and, and this happens anyway, uh, for me, I think. We're doing something wrong here, right? Something's wrong. And and, and it, it doesn't mean that the system, I think the system has failed in, in many ways. Uh, but I, I also realize that there's no system that's perfect either. And no. I, I guess my question is, it's kind of like, do we need to fix the system? Do we need improvements to a system so that we can minimize things like this from happening again? From your perspective, uh, is that something that we need to do, or is this just one of those things where this guy was intent on killing people and there was no stopping him? No, you're 100% right, Rich. You constantly have to address these issues, and you constantly have to update things to conform to what's happening in society today. The mental uh, illness crisis in this country is, is, is very out of control. It's so out of control. I mean, look in New York City and look on every corner. I mean, yeah. you and I can vouch for this to the listeners. I mean, you w- walk out of Penn Station or Grand Central, oh and you don't have to go more than a half a block to see somebody shooting up on the corner. And then you see somebody acting out. And we've, how many times have we seen it on TV of somebody getting slashed by a homeless person, a person or somebody out on the street, and they just go over and stab them for no reason? I mean, it's really an issue that's gone uh, unaddressed for so long. It's been put on the back burner for other issues. And the other problem we have is that the politicians politicize this and they stop bringing in the Second Amendment and everything. This has nothing to do with the Second Amendment, right? This has absolutely nothing to do with it. This has to do with an individual who had a gun and shouldn't have had a gun. And you're right. He, you know, he, he should have been addressed, all right? He should have been found out sooner. I mean, how many times have we discussed about how people go on social media and they don't find out about things until, you know, social media will hide things and not pick them out with their logarithms. And later on, we find out they're doing mass school shootings and they say, oh, well, we could have picked up on this. But here you have an individual that was institutionalized for two weeks at West Point. So that says a lot in itself. Absolutely. And when you and I think you're right on because we always find out after the fact that, oh, they said this, they did this, they had pictures with guns, they were doing what. And again, I'm, I'm as pro gun as they come. But I also know that if I put a picture of Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, Instagram flags me and says you can't post for for the next 10 hours or whatever it is. So, you know, if they can do that to me for talking about Hunter Biden, surely they can do that to somebody saying that, you know, something that could be perceived as a threat. Now, I don't want, you know, if I'm shooting an AR-15 with my daughter at the range, I don't want them to to censor me. But I think we, we need to be judicious. And maybe that's too much to ask. What say you? I, I think you're right. I, I, I really think that. We've gone so far to the, to the other side, and I'm talking about the other side of uh, law enforcement, the other side of common sense, that mm-hmm. people don't work together to get these problems solved. Instead of jumping right away and saying, I'm going to ban assault rifles, it's not an assault rifle issue right now. Yes, the assault rifle 
you know, caused the damage and yes, you know, caused all these deaths. All right, but let's take it a step further. What if he did not have this AR-15 or whatever it was he used, this assault weapon? What if he was hell-bent on doing this anyways and, and made, look at his background and made right. a bomb? Exactly. All right, now he turns around. And the underlying factor is still the mental illness that's behind the criminal act. All right. And the other thing that happens is when everybody gets on TV and they start speculating on everything, you know, defense attorneys sit back and they go, wow, if I get this case, I'm going to hone in on what they're saying. And I'll get my client off on some kind of issue with this. This is how I'm going to prepare his defense before this person is even in custody. All right. So really the issue is the mental illness and the reason behind the person's, you know, doing this, these criminal acts and these heinous crimes, you really have to get to the root issue and stop clouding the issue with second amendment assault rifles and everything else get to the root of it and say, you know what, Maine, maybe we'll step your game up a little bit with notifications, make it easier for law enforcement to be notified about this, make the doctors come across a lot sooner and say, listen, I know there's a threshold for me, but I feel this individual is a threat to him or herself, and we need to address it. You know, I know right. for a fact he said during the sessions that he has weapons. I think you need to address it. All right. Why wait and say, well, I'm bound by HIPAA laws and by, come on, enough of this right. now. I agree with that. And, and, and make the argument that if you're my neighbor, my ex-wife, my whoever, you could say, oh, this guy's got guns. I think he's crazy and try to use a red flag law to take my guns away when I was never institutionalized. Right? It's kind of like one extreme or the other. And, and both don't seem to be working. Folks, we're on with uh, NYPD Lieutenant Commander Retired Joe Cardinale. You see him on Fox News and you've heard him on this program before. And we're going to come back and discuss a few more things as well as how you could buy around to help people remember some of the things that New York has gone through. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Now is the time to heal. And with this search concluded, I know that law enforcement continues to fully investigate all the facts so we can bring what closure we can to the victims and their families. And I ask that all Maine people continue to keep those families and all of the people impacted by this tragedy in their thoughts and prayers. All right. Again, that's uh, Governor Janet Mills of Maine saying it's time for us to heal. And I agree with that statement. It is time for us to heal. And it's time for us to do things a little bit better. Our guest is retired NYPD Lieutenant Commander and Fox News contributor Joe Cardinale. LT, welcome back. I want to, I guess, put a pin in everything and uh, learn about this this program that you're involved in where people can buy around to help people understand a little bit about what New York City has gone through historically, in particular 9-11. Well, Rich, thanks for bringing it up because you're actually the first one to uh, speak about it publicly. publicly. So it's uh, it came up as an idea on a show when we were doing it for 9-11 a while back, two years ago exactly. And 
we realized that the people that were old enough to drink weren't even born when 9-11 happened. Right. And because of the way the school system is geared today, the curriculum does not teach it in a lot of schools. So it's just a forgotten incident. Yet here in New York City, thanks to, you know, Frank Sill and uh, Tunnel to Towers, you know, it's very much alive and the work that he does is outstanding. So it's one of the organizations that, you know, I, I really, really like. And I said on the air back then, I said, you know what? These kids have no idea what's going on, yet they'll go out tonight. They'll have a nice drink with their friends. They'll have a happy-go-lucky time, and they'll know nothing about this. I said, maybe it's time for them to buy a round for the towers. And it came off as a great idea. One of the uh, bars actually called in from, from Texas and said, you know what? I would do that in a heartbeat. So I sat on it for a little bit, and I ran it by a few people. And I finally just brought it by chance to somebody at T to T. And they like the idea, so it's in the uh, formation stage right now, and we're hopefully going to get it to a point where I'm going to have the bars involved, some of the bars out in Long Island to try it out. In New York City, I'll approach some bars. And all it is is the bars will not be collecting money. It's nothing where the bars are going to have cash in the kitty or anything like that. It's going to be a QR code. Hopefully, if it formulates to the way we want it, it'll be a QR code on a table tent, and it'll have a thing about T to T and about, you know, the – World Trade Center back then, maybe a photo. And somebody can just scan that QR code, go on there, fill out the information and make a one-time donation or donate, you know, a monthly after that. And at least they'll have knowledge of what they're donating to and that this organization is like the most above board organization I've ever seen as far as, you know, donations. And it's one of the most worthy causes I've ever seen. Well, I'm, I'm count me in to buy a round for the towers, LT. Because I, I agree with you. Um, I was talking to my daughter, and again, my, my, my younger daughter, she's 18. She was not around during 9-11. My oldest daughter was born that year, and she was only a few months old. So neither of them have personal experience in, in going through that. But one of the FBI agents that was killed in uh, the 9-11 attacks uh, lived in the town I live in. And the local school always talked about it. So they know a lot more about it than other kids and this year, there wasn't much of a uh, discussion about it. And my kid was like, what's going on here? Why aren't we talking about it? Which I thought was nice. So keep doing what you're doing. Joe Cardinale, thank you for being here. Anytime, my friend. Thank you so much. You bet. God bless, brother. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Folks, we're coming right back with me, Rich Valdez, to continue. Don't go anywhere. So we're talking about what's going on in America today, and obviously we're doing it at night. And I want to jump into a few different things because, of course, we got the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, new Speaker. And I want to dig into this, but I want you to hear a clip. Um, This is Joe Scarborough on with Simone Sanders. Now, you remember, she was with the Bernie Sanders campaign. Then she served uh, with Kamala Harris in the White House and... I want you to listen to uh, 
to their conversation on MSNBC. Listen to this. He's going to be running the House January the 6th, 2025, when the House counts the votes to determine who the next president is. It's scary. Joe, it is so scary. And and I would like to note that the visceral reaction from the now new Speaker of the House and the Republican conference was to shout down a black woman reporter who was doing her job. Rachel Scott from ABC is the person that asked that question. Not only is Mike Johnson um, uh, a chief of was leading the cause to append our democracy, um, he has very uh, archaic views as it relates to women, as it relates to abortion and reproductive rights, um, as it relates to, as you noted, um, gay rights, LGBTQ plus rights. He is a Christian nationalist. He's a Christian nationalist, (laughs) as if this is a very bad thing. Now, I know they've made this into a bad thing, saying Christian nationalists are um, the same way they they did a fundamentalist Christian uh, about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, I want to dig into what's going on with the speaker and the rest of the news of the day with Raven Harrison. She's been on the program before. She's a political commentator and former congressional candidate. And you could learn more about her at RavenHarrison.com. Raven Harrison, welcome back. Good evening. Good to be here. Likewise. Good to be speaking with you. So uh, you hear this clip that uh, that Joe Scarborough and Simone Sanders are saying it's so scary that we have Speaker of the House Mike Johnson going to preside over the counting of the votes on January 6, 2025, because he's a Christian nationalist. What say you? I say that the left has a really strange obsession with is. Everything is racist, you know, uh, xenophobe, you know, it's just whatever they can they can think of. There was a tweet by Gavin Newsom saying this guy is praying you know, at this time, and as, as opposed to what, going to China <laughs> and, uh, and talking to about your $7 gas. So, yeah, it's really interesting how they have to really reach for these to say he's a Christian nationalist. There are several people. Joe Biden claims to be Catholic. So is he a Catholicist? I mean, they, they've got to really stop it with this. It's just it's another reach of saying this is what every Speaker of the House has been doing it was okay when their speakers were doing it. It's just they're really reaching to try to, to, to defame this guy, and they really have got virtually nothing. Now, listen, I, I, as much as I knew about Mike Johnson a week ago was that there was rumors that they were thinking of uh, bringing him in to replace Jim Jordan as judiciary chair if Jordan was going to be elected speaker. Uh, outside of that, I'd seen him do a pretty decent job um, with uh, some hearings, but he was kind of under the radar. I really hadn't seen much of him so far. Everything looks to be on the up and up. Um, I'd say thus thus far looks like um, we we've done okay. Um, what are your initial thoughts? Well, my initial thoughts are you know it seemed to be the safe bet. Nobody he really was on under everybody's radar, but he has a fair score. He's about a seventy five Liberty score for how what they is that, vote. Is that like a C plus or a D? Uh, <laughs> That would be closer to, I'd say, a, a C plus or a B minus. So okay. in his Liberty score, he was he's been fairly kind of middle of the road, but he's been strong on on pro life and some some other things. The only thing I think was questionable from a conservative side is, you know, his views on CRT. But it's it's really interesting how you know when we've got Israel, we've got this war, we've got a wide open border, 
that that's the first thing they want to say is, you know, reproductive rights. I mean, they just, they're not even in the ballpark with this. But, you know, all we know, and then they say um, they're they're making an issue out of the fact that uh, he wanted to, to question delay, you know, certifying the vote when we had questions out there. So there's a lot going on with it. But for all intensive purposes, they're really at this point just reaching. He's from Louisiana. Uh, he's been pretty much a solid conservative, just seems to up until lately not been grabbing the cameras much. You know, I think it was remarkable. Um, honestly, I do that. He got 220 votes uh, and not because of who he was, just the fact that nobody else seemed to be able to, to pull that off. And I thought, what a compromise. Right. Um, what do you think brought that about? Was it the backroom deals? Do you think it was uh, I know that uh, Trump had a meeting up there uh, to try and get this thing squashed. Um, was it? I don't know. I, I can't I can't really put my finger on it. Yeah, it was politicking because there's no way. With this, this guy nobody ever heard of all of a sudden went, you know, from zero to 220, you know, literally. So right. I think what you One got shot. is they had their hot button. The hot button is Ukraine. It's not Israel. It should be Israel. But the hot button is Ukraine, the money going to Ukraine. The right. biggest thing was who was going to rubber stamp that, who was going to sign off on it. And that's what I think a lot of people who got behind Mike Johnson were hoping and Again, from the Democrat side, somebody who's going to keep that money going from the conservative side saying, listen, we got to stop the spending. We don't have the money. And that bundled aid, that was the big red right. flag, was they wanted to bundle the aid, $106 billion to go to this aid package. But what people don't realize, $60.6 billion going to Ukraine, $14.7 going to Israel, and 30 that was – 30 billion that was nebulously labeled as miscellaneous special projects to include the southern border. Uh, which border? We don't know. <laughs> but we, uh, we are looking at this going, that was still a Ukraine aid package. And we have virtually no footage of anything coming out of Ukraine. We have footage of Israel left and right. Israel is our ally. They are, you know, one of our strongest uh, support systems out in the Middle East. We have none of that with Ukraine, but yet they have gotten billions, hundreds right. of billions of dollars, unvetted, unchecked, and seemingly with no end in sight. Folks, we're on with Raven Harrison. Check her out at ravenharrison.com. And Raven Harrison, I want to continue to discuss Israel a little bit uh, straight ahead. We're going to take a quick pause. And America, if you want to join the conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
you say this was a military operation, but the result of it was that hundreds yeah, of civilians were killed. Because the area is very wide, and there are many people there, and there was clashes and confrontation. It's no, not confrontation. No, you invaded I, I houses. I details what happened inside. But I, I can tell you that we didn't have any intention or decision to call the civilians. How do you justify killing people as they sleep? You know, families. How do you justify I, I killing want, hundreds I, I of people? Uh, uh, I want to stop this interview. I want to stop this interview. And that is Ghazi Hamad. He is the spokesperson for Hamas. And he abruptly got up and ended an interview with the BBC after being challenged, saying, how do you explain going into people's homes while they're sleeping and burning them alive? I think that was a fair question, not to mention doing it to infants and slitting their throats. I mean, those are the questions I would ask. Well, Raven Harrison is our guest, and I want to get your reaction to that audio you just heard of Ghazi Hamad, the Hamas spokesperson, saying, I want to end this interview, because he was asked tough questions about why do you murder people in their sleep? Well, correct, and it is a tough question. It's horrific. This is a good, good time to point out that, you know, as the daughter of two retired Air Force lieutenant colonels, this is what the military and our law enforcement usually fight to keep off of our shores. I have been seeing this for decades. This is horrific. I mean, babies with their heads cut off. We are seeing that kind of violence. People are outraged. This is what has been going on in that region for decades, and it is indefensible. But we've got members of Congress who are supporting this. Rashida Tlaib put a flag outside. She's been funded by Hamas. I mean, it's, it's indisputable, and this is being defended vehemently by the left. This is what it is. It is murder. They parachuted in. They burned people. They cut their heads off. They've raped. They've peed on people once they're deceased. I mean, this is absolutely barbaric, uh, what we were seeing. And I'm not surprised. These, are, uh, these weren't really even tough questions. So there's questions he does not want to answer. It doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah, this Ghazi Hamad, um, uh, again, uh, what did he think was going to happen in an interview like that? I don't, I don't understand, honestly. This stuff confuses me. And when I look at a situation like this, I, I think, um, it, it, is it somehow difficult for them to just tell the truth? And maybe because he's the PR person, he's their spokesperson, he doesn't want to come out and say, no, they're, it's because they're Jews. And because they're Jews, they don't deserve to live, right? Because I think that's their belief. And he doesn't want to say that publicly, so he'd rather walk away, which shows me that they, they don't even stand for what they believe in because they're ashamed well, he does, to, to tell the truth. Well, he does say it publicly, and look what it has spawned. We've had these pro-Hamas rallies pop up all over the United States since the initial attack on October 7th. We have seen them in New York. We've seen them in California. Everywhere, they're shutting down these places. You know, Raven Harrison, I really I look at what we you just mentioned about um, certain members of Congress that some have called the Hamas caucus uh, of our Congress. And, and while it's funny to make, you know, political satire, it, it, re, re, realistically speaking, it, it's shocking to me that you can have a handful of people, um, the squad, whomever, that that align themselves with this group. And that the rest of them turn a blind eye in cowardice. I, I, I worked in politics for a while, and I can tell you that things that were truly indefensible, there was always a few fringe people. But ultimately, 
both sides would likely come together on on most issues uh, dealing with children, seniors, not, not even Hamas and terrorism, but just mainstay issues. And they'd say, look, we can't do that. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. We can't get behind that because the people won't won't vote us back in. And it, it's shocking to me that you've got all these Democrats from all over the place, uh, some more liberal, some more progressive, but nobody's really calling them out the way they should. Why is that happening? Well, they're not because this is what they want is a protected class. They have made it so that they are untouchable in what they do. I mean, this was exposed before Rashidi even got in to Congress, that Hamas was one of her primary donors. That's not speculation, it's fact. Elon Omar was put into a an area in Minnesota. It was crazy. They put them a concentration of Somali refugees, nothing but angry, you know, basically radicalized people. And then what happens? Their numbers swell and they start electing members of government. They take over the government. This was the plan was to have all these sympathizers in there. And now they call for terrorist attacks. And all of a sudden you're seeing these uprisings all over the place at Ivy League schools in setting down traffic and and making these demands for a ceasefire. They always it reminds me of you remember when we were in, in, in PE and the guy, you know, would just peg you and leave a print on your face from the dodgeball. <laughs> and yeah. then he wants to change the rules when you get the ball back. And right. it's, it's payback time. So now that's what it kind of likens it to. But that's what you're seeing is this kind of sentiment is this anti-Semitic behavior has been condoned, excused and dismissed by the left to now it is it is impossible to ignore. We either have to decide that we're going to get through that rhetoric and allow ourselves to be called a few things to get justice back on track. But we've got these open Hamas supporters walking the halls of Congress. And that should scare everyone. Folks, we're on with Raven Harrison, and I agree uh, completely. We're going to continue with Raven Harrison straight ahead. I want to talk a little bit about Israel's uh, ground incursion into Gaza, which has been taking place over the past 48 hours. We're going to reflect on that. Plus, your calls are coming up at the top of the hour for Open Phone America, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at night with Rich Valdez. The past several hours, we've seen Israel hitting the northern part of Gaza from the air, the ground and the sea. Some massive explosions shaking the entire ground. Still the roar of Israeli fighter jets overhead. There was a lot of drone activity here along the border earlier. And we don't know if this is the highly anticipated ground operation into the Gaza Strip. We do know the Israelis have ramped up their strikes on the northern and central part of Gaza, hammering the Strip with both artillery, their navy, and those airstrikes. They're trying to hit some of the tunnel systems and different Hamas cells near to the border. But this is the heaviest fire we've, we've heard and we have seen since this war began 21 days ago. 
Over the past 48 hours, the Israelis have conducted a number of raids inside Gaza, but they have been limited ground incursions, entering, destroying Hamas and Islamic Jihad cells, and then pulling out with those troops. That's Fox News' Trey Yinkst on the IDF ground offensive. And Raven Harrison is our guest. Raven Harrison, uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, ground incursion? Do you think they're going to be able to get the hostages? What say you? I think it's going to be a lot of casualties. This is a field that my parents worked in very heavily. But essentially what you have is now you're trying to run a ground offensive when the entire world is watching. That's basically trying to rob a house when the lights are on. Uh, The cat is out. And then we also have, you know, a lot of people haven't realized that quietly Joe Biden has given uh, millions to Gaza, you know, and and, and to Hamas saying, okay, but if you guys use this for bad, you're going to get a really sternly worded letter. (laughs) And what people have to realize is we're fighting ourselves. These are our weapons that they have that were left in Afghanistan, that botched withdrawal. So they are now using that to murder and slaughter. And now what people are saying, well, we've got to get the hostages out. This is not how terrorists play. They don't go by the rules. They don't worry about war crimes. People who are cutting off the heads of babies are not concerned with what sanctions they're going to receive or sternly worded letters. So what you're going to see is, unfortunately, Israeli is going to have to ramp it up and there are going to be more casualties. This is how they want it. They want maximum destruction, maximum hostage, maximum suffering and death to make their point. Yeah, you know, I was looking at something here that says that the um, the the biggest um, base that they have set up is beneath a hospital, the largest hospital that they've got. And it's it's very difficult to fight an enemy that's that's hiding behind people. Right. Sick people, school children. How how does one do that? Well, you have to do it very carefully. And normally we would be at a certain level level of readiness. And our military is unfortunately too busy fighting over pronouns right now. They're still the best (laughs) of the best. But we've got and this is what they do. They love their soft targets. I mean, that's supposed to be war crime number one. You don't hide behind civilians. You don't use them as shield. There should be an honor that exists. But these people don't have honor. So what they do is they intentionally set up their their strongholds behind these soft targets, hospitals, schools, you know, a lot of places where the elderly are so that if you bomb them to take them out, when you cut off water and utilities them, you are cutting off the very people you're trying to rescue. Raven Harrison, I want to thank you for being here. You are a gentlewoman, a scholar and a patriot. And I appreciate you staying up late with us. I appreciate the offer. Thank you. You bet. All right, folks, we're coming right back with your calls. Open Phone America. The phone number again, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Open Phone America starts right now. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america 
And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, happy to be here with you this Friday evening, letting my hair down a little bit. It's Open Phone America, a long time-honored tradition here on this program. Started back in 1978 uh, by Larry King, continued for three decades by the late, great Jim Bohannon. And you and me, we're going to continue that tradition tonight. The phone number, if you want to join this late-night national town hall conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is your chance to weigh in, and there's a lot to talk about. We've talked about a few things tonight. If you've just tuned into the program uh, we had some excellent interviews earlier with uh, Dick Morris uh, regarding what's going on with Biden, with uh, Joe Cardinale, NYPD lieutenant commander, talking about the killer in Maine, the mass shooter nut job that uh, was on the run. He was found dead a couple hours back. We'll talk about that as well. And, uh, of course, uh, we had Raven Harrison on in the last hour uh, talking about Israel and the new speaker, Mike Johnson, and some of the other news of the day. And a couple of headlines I want to bring up, and we'll try and get into them, uh, but I'll I'll put them out there for for the sake of starting the conversation. In addition to the main killer being found dead in the woods, the State Department has issued a warning to Americans in Lebanon— saying, leave now. Now, this is obviously an upgrade because when they were in Israel, they were saying, you know, this is cautious. We we think that it, you shouldn't go to Israel right now. Well, there's an active war there. <laughs> I mean, the State Department's something else. Uh, then we've got the Hamas spokesperson who stormed out of a BBC interview after he was asked about killing innocent civilians while they slept. And uh, we have a clip of that. We played it before. I'll play it again because it's it's quite shocking, in, in my opinion. Then we've got Vladimir Putin. Uh, of course, he's invited the leaders of Iran and Hamas to Moscow. What could be better than Vladimir Putin having a meeting with the Hamas terrorists and Iran, who is funding the Hamas terrorists? If that's not a recipe for global disaster, a.k.a. World War III, I don't know what is. Then we've got the pro-Hamas protesters. They shut down Grand Central Terminal in New York City during the evening rush hour. Unbelievable. And this is an uh, off-the-beat kind of story here. Uh, A woman in Ohio has been indicted for killing multiple men after meeting them for sex. So stop meeting women for sex. They might kill you. That's crazy. And, of course, if we have time, we're going to touch on the Adderall shortage. It's causing long-term problems for students who uh, obviously rely on that to to learn. And uh, we'll talk about that as well. So I want to get to your calls because I know that uh, it's always busy on the phone lines, and I don't want to leave anybody hanging. Keep your points as tight as you can. This way we have time to get everybody in. Uh, let's see. We've got calls from Michigan, New York, New Hampshire, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and South Carolina we're going to go ahead and start here with uh, Ken in Lansing, Michigan, W-I-L-S. Ken, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Good evening, Rich. Great show as always. Uh, Thank you, sir. They, they say there's 2 million people in the Gaza Strip, and a lot of them, they have a very young age over there. A lot of people are under the age of 21. And uh, so I'm, if I take a million of them people away, women and children, you still have a million men and so how do a million men let thirty to 35,000 terrorists run their country and keep their thumb on the back of their necks 
I, I call them gutless, if you ask me. Well, you know, from what I understand, uh, I think half of that population is is minor. They're under the age of 18 years old. And something that Brigitte Gabriel, she was on with us on Monday. Great interview. If anybody missed it, check it out at Rich Valdez, com. But something that she mentioned in that interview was that Hamas was elected with uh, with a pretty overwhelming pl- uh, plurality when they were elected. Uh, they haven't had elections since. But uh, I thought that was interesting because the point she was making was that the people really do support Hamas. And I think this is why you haven't seen so, such a mass exodus, because while they may not be active in the terrorism, they're complicit in supporting the terrorism. And again, I'm not saying everybody. And I think the example that I made that night and it's the example I'll make now is when somebody tells me, oh, I heard you're from New York and, uh, you know, you get everything you, you deserve with AOC or when Hillary Clinton was senator from New York. You know, and they would always blame me as if I voted for these people. And my point to them was that's not how it really works. You know, so I think right now, if somebody internationally were to look at me and say, you know what, you Americans, you're so stupid. Look at who you elect. You have a guy named Joe Biden in the White House. You get whatever you deserve. Uh, No, sir. Uh, You didn't vote for Biden. I didn't vote for Biden. I talked to millions of people on this program. Most of them didn't vote for Biden. So there there is a reality that sometimes you do get trapped uh, by the people. And I don't know if we could call them all gutless and spineless. Maybe we can. Maybe we can't. But I, I do know that. It, there are some people that favor it, and, and that in and of itself is very problematic. But, Ken, great analysis. Thank you for your point. I appreciate it. Big shout-out to Lansing, Michigan, W-I-L-S. Let's continue with Jane. She's in New York on WGDJ. Jane, go right ahead. Hey, Rich. How are you? Um, I, I want to mention this. <laughs> I want to mention this Mr. Card. Um, I think more so than he um, I think the state mental health department needs to be blamed, has a great deal of blame. I, I guarantee you that gentleman, and I don't mean, well, okay, gentleman, was showing tendencies. And to put him away for two, two weeks or two months and then let him back out onto the street, when someone like that comes into middle, and this is why 10 of us broke out into private counseling and walked away from the state, they don't want to put the time in. And someone like that, I guarantee he was showing tendencies. He should have been watched for anywhere from three to six months. Right. And then they had an amazing program in Miami at Mercy Hospital, people like that who would show tendencies and they knew they were not going to get them past it, they were given electric shock therapy. And it sounds horrible, but it took away those tendencies. And yes, when they went back out, they were very (laughs) low-key, just to say the least. But they took those tendencies away and they were put in lifetime therapy. And that's where the state dropped the ball. I think they are just as guilty of those deaths as the Mr. Card, because he got no help, no help whatsoever. You know, I think you're right about that, Jane. I think that there's clearly a failure in how we're approaching mental health. And 
I, for one, I'm going to say, I really don't care if you feel like you're underfunded, right? Because if this were a fire and the firefighters uh, were underfunded or not, they were going to do the best that they could. If this were a baby that needed to be delivered, the baby would be delivered whether there was funding or not. And perhaps I'm being uh, unfair or extreme. It wouldn't be the first time. But I, I really feel that certain people in certain fields, they do as much as they feel they can do. And I think they could have done more. Somebody could have picked up the phone and said, you know, called the people in Maine and said, look, this guy, he's reached his time here. His Medicare uh, is over or whatever it is. His his TRICARE, because he was a military guy, is out. But let the VA know. Let somebody know. And they, if, I don't think that they did anything because nobody's reporting that. If that was done, then, hey, great. Uh, but it seems like it wasn't done. And they put a killer on the loose, a guy who is clearly unstable and with the capacity to cause mass harm. And guess what? He did. Jane, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Always good to hear from you. Folks, we're going to get to the rest of your calls and more. See, we got calls from Phoenix, Arizona, and Arkansas, and uh, Arizona. So keep it locked. Keep it loaded right here. I am Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Our work again is not done here. Um, I was very elated tonight when I got the call from Commissioner Sawchuk um, advising me of uh, the revelation of what took place and that Mr. Card is deceased and no longer a threat to our community or any other community. Uh, I just don't want to forget the, the families that are grieving and will continue to grieve. I don't want to forget the law enforcement officials that have worked tirelessly throughout this whole event uh, to come to a good conclusion. Okay, that again is... Uh Chief of Police in Lewiston, Maine, David St. Pierre, saying he was elated to find out that the killer was dead and wasn't a threat to society anymore. We're going to continue with your calls. Let's go to Jim. Um, let's see. Listening on KFNX out of Phoenix. He's in Kansas City, Missouri. Jim, welcome. Hey, Rich Valdez from New Jersey. How are yes, you? Yes, sir. I'm doing great, brother. Thank you. Hey. Okay. Uh, I listen, I, I work, uh, like Sunday through Thursday from 10 PM to 6 AM. So I listen, uh, every, all the other nights, but tonight I get to call in. Oh, awesome. Um, well, thank you for you, listening. I appreciate you, it. You are rocking it, man. Your show is so fantastic. I like it. Um, I, I just got four things. Okay. First of all, thank you. part of the cost of living in a free society, I think is that every once in a while, somebody's going to go berserk. Okay. And, yeah. The second thing is, I think, definitely drugs, like the guy said last night, definitely drugs and alcohol. I mean, anybody, I think anybody that's had any kind of drugs and alcohol for 72 hours should have no access whatsoever to a firearm. Okay. And the, the third thing that really bugs me is that 
they just put down like a whole region of a state. It wasn't just like one private property or a building or a neighborhood. It was like a whole region. They just put them on lockdown, like a martial law. And I mean, I understand why it happened, but I think there should be something said about it because if they, I don't want the government to get comfortable with doing that because that's bad for us. And the other thing is tryptophan. I'm just kidding. Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny that day, right? We need more of that. Oh, boy. Everybody needs to eat more turkey. Well, you know, Jim, I, I agree with you on everything. And, of course, I see the other side of the coin as well. When we're looking at these shelter-in-place orders, um, this is the kind of situation where I would expect that we would have a shelter-in-place order um, where, you know, if somebody's in my neighborhood and they've, they, they've just killed 18 people, well, guess what? Uh, everybody should stay home. And I, I don't know the excuse me, sneezing. I don't know the extent of, of their order, but I do know this is the reason why state constitutions provide police powers to governors to do that. Now to say that, oh my gosh, there's a virus and you're forced to wear a mask and you're forced to not go to church, but you're allowed to go to Home Depot or Lowe's. uh, I think that is absolutely crazy. But, um, a killer on the loose, I think, is is an appropriate use. I, I don't know the extent of it, but I agree with you. Once you give a tyrant a little bit of power, they get drunk on that power and they'll use it every time they can. And we saw this most recently with the governor uh, in um, New Mexico, right, where she said, oh, we're taking everybody's guns away. You can't have guns for the next uh, month or whatever it was. And that went to court and then it won in court and then it lost in court and it's all over the place. And And ultimately, I think, that's a perfect example of a governor drunk with the power and abusing the power because that power was never intended to create a, uh, a health ordinance or a health uh, awareness campaign where you tell people they can't have a Second Amendment right. So I totally get where you're coming from. I love that you're listening to the show and keep calling whenever you can. I appreciate it. You staying up late and calling on your day off. Big shout out to Jim listening on one of our newest affiliates, KFNX, out of Phoenix, and he's in Missouri. Uh, let's see, where do we go from here? Let us go to Pat in Sedona, Arizona, listening online to Rich Valdez, com. Pat, what's up? Hey, Rich. It's so good to hear your voice. I mean, Thank you. I, it's sometimes I love to call in, but I listen to you and the people that call in. So interesting, the, uh, the comments. I mean, uh, that lady's right about the meta, uh, me- mental health of this gentleman and who dropped the ball. This guy was asking for help. I mean, I don't condemn what he did. I'm sorry. You don't condemn that he killed 18 people? Yeah, I'm sorry he did that. I wish they could have taken him alive. He was mentally sick. And the people who should have controlled him did not. They let him go. And that's how, you know... It's it's it, you ever heard of purple uh, purple stars? It's it's a thing about veterans who kill themselves. Ah, and no, there are a lot of guys of are like this guy. There are veterans, and they're coming home. Well, they did come home from Iraq and Afghanistan at one time, and they're putting the gun in their mouth. And you know, instead of doing what he did, they do it to themselves. And as a veteran and a man who's been trained to recognize this stress it you know i you know I, I hate to give any props to this guy but he asked for help 
and he did not get it, and they let him go. Our mental health in our country is a disaster. It's like Joe Biden. It's a disaster. Are you blaming the VA? Well, he was being seen by them, and they let him go. I would never let this guy go if he said he heard voices in the said This guy was a guy that trained people in safety and guns. This man was. I'm with you. You you tell me a guy that's a firearms instructor, uh, a veteran, and he says, I'm hearing voices and uh, that I should go shoot up the armory. I wouldn't let this guy go either. That's exactly the type of person that you want to put on an involuntary commitment and keep him confined until he's better. And again, maybe he got better because of certain medication and then he didn't take the medication. I don't know. But I I, I agree with you that the system failed him. And in turn, he, he murdered a lot of people. Now, I've always felt that whatever your reasoning is, you still have to pay the piper, right? Whether you decide to sell drugs and you want to go kill 18 people or you're having a mental breakdown and you kill 18 people. If you've killed 18 people, somebody's going to kill you. And, and I think that's that's just how life works. It's kind of the, the law of nature. Right. And I, and I look at it always as as a dad. I think to myself, if if God forbid something like this would ever happen to anyone in my family, uh, I I would not care what this person was going through. I could care less because nobody in my family did anything to that guy. And the families of those 18 people, they're grieving today because they lost their family members quite innocently, right? Because they were at a bar or they were at a bowling alley. Just imagine going to your local bowling alley and never coming back. So uh, I, I hear you, and I feel that this this guy uh, needed help. I really do. But at the end of the day, I think if you kill people, you deserve to be killed. And I think he knew that, and that's why he killed himself. That's just my thought, Pat. Yes, and I agree with you exactly. This guy was a monster, what he did to those people. But the people who had him before this, I mean, come on. You're right. Shame on them. Right. Shame on them. Pat, I don't know if you're still there. I think we might have lost you. But Pat, thank you for your call and for your insight and for your service. Pat was a corpsman in the United States Navy, and I appreciate that. Folks, we're coming right back. The rest of your calls and more. We got calls from South Carolina, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Ohio and Arkansas. Coming up straight ahead with me, Rich Valdez. Give us a call. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Republicans uh, in America and Republicans in Washington is the NRA. The Republicans in Washington are bought and paid for by special interests, by gun manufacturers, and that's who they are responding to, and that's who they are representing, not their constituents. It should not take for there to be a gun, a mass gun tragedy in your district for you to change your mind. That's Anna Navarro on The View. And she says Republicans in Washington are bought and paid for by the NRA. And I say Democrats in Washington are bought and paid for by China, by the Hamas caucus, by 
so many uh, of the problems that we're currently facing. Joe Biden's been bought and paid for by every one of our enemies, and he seems to be funding them. So the NRA doesn't sound so bad to me. After all, I think we're sticking up for the Second Amendment here. And if they're not doing it, who's going to do it, right? So um, that's falling on deaf ears. But I want to continue the uh, conversation. I want to talk about the border. I want to talk about Robert Card. I want to talk about mental illness. I want to talk about Joe El Baboso Biden, China, and everything else that's on the agenda for tonight. So let's go to uh, Paul, Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Go right ahead. Okay. What I'm going to suggest will sound impossible because of how expensive it is, but how much are we paying every year for a million illegal immigrants in the country? both in life and money. What I suggest, finish the wall. There are several places that you can't do the wall because of geography. Put a um, um, border control at each one of those. And the thing about the wall is you've got to make it so they can't tunnel through. So it's very expensive, but make uh, six feet, I'm sorry, 30 feet deep, uh, three-inch reinforced steel, so the people can't, um, you know, tunnel under very easily anyway, and, and increase the border patrol, the uh, yeah, ice, ISIS, and the border patrol, yeah. so they can do their job, oh, yeah, c- completely correctly. I agree with you, Paul. I think we we definitely need uh, better security features at the border. We have to enforce the ones that we currently have. I think um, they thought Trump was insane when he said to build a wall. The wall is not a cure-all. It's not going to fix every problem, but it makes it a lot easier to keep people out. Uh, I mean, it's it, in its most simple form, right? If you have a yard with no with no fence, you're going to find deer. You're going to find whatever. You can have a fenced-in yard. You're going to find a little bit less deer, right? It's, it's just very simple math, and I think you're right. Um, as far as tunneling beneath, that's a, a bigger issue. I know that they've been battling that challenge down at the border for a long time. I know early in the Trump administration, they were, uh, f- from what I'd heard, uh, they were filling some of those tunnels with cement so that, um, you know, as they found them, they were trying to fill them to, to block them from coming through. But there's always a criminal that's trying to build a better mousetrap. And that's, you know, Joe Cardinale was on with us earlier today, and he said, as crime changes, policing changes. And I, I believe that to be true. As you have different challenges, you come up with different solutions, but you don't stop doing the job. And it seems Biden has stopped doing the job, and that's the biggest problem that we face. Paul, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Uh, let's go to Diane. She's in Geneva, New York, WGVA. Diane, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. I don't mean to defend uh, Robert Card that shot up the bar in the bowling alley, but there is some kind of underground brainwashing going on in the military. Like what? Christian, and they attack bars, and I don't know uh, what the purpose is of the Bullinelli unless people were drinking there. Oh, so you're thinking he he did this because people were drinking? Yes. There's a pro-Christian in their image is white. A white hat, white... But what makes you think that, that that he's one of these people and that he did this for that purpose? Yes. But what makes you think that? Have people 
people actually he did believe. Now, I don't know if you remember him, but he called your station one night, and he said he was fed up with the human race out there acting like they do. I don't know if uh, I don't. I don't think that was on this program, Diane. But yeah, um, interesting thought. Well, yeah, I, 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 I don't think it happened here. I do remember. So do you think that he was crazy or you think he did this on purpose? So thinking he was going to be a good Christian. That's why he shot himself at the recycling. He thought he's going to be reincarnated and he did the Lord <laughs> a favor. All right, Diane, thank you for that one. So uh, he, Robert Card did this in the name of Christianity and he killed himself to be a good Christian so he could be reincarnated. The problem is Christians don't believe in reincarnation, right? They they believe in the resurrection and eternal life with uh, their creator. So I, I don't know if that one's adding up entirely, but hey, that's what Open Phones is for, right? We, we work through these things here. Uh, let us continue here. Let's go to Joe Salem, Arkansas, K-S-A-R. Joe, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yeah, Rich. Uh, no, I'm not going to defend this this fellow either. Uh, I have some questions, though, that during the investigations, it's harder now that he's deceased to answer right. these, but they should be able to get to it. Number one, was he from a single-parent household? Number two, was he raised by mommy? Permissiveness again. Number three, uh, did he see any battle action where in the military, I heard he was some type of, of uh, reserves, yeah. um, where they, they do teach you to be a trained killer. Now, when I was called up for Vietnam, I said, I can't kill people that I don't know Yankees from Confederates, so uh, uh, what can I do to help the cause anyway? And, and my recruiter quickly put me in uh, medical training and helicopter flight. And I didn't even get to go to Fort Bragg from Fort Leonard Wood because uh, Nixon called it all off then, which was a blessing for me, of course. Yeah, well, first, Joe, thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Um, God bless you for it. And uh, I think those are excellent questions. And it it helps to continue to build the profile of of how these people, if you can profile, right? Um, And I think we can. For the most part, these are men. The one woman that was a woman was uh, a trans person, so she identified as a man while while she was younger and this guy was on the older end of the spectrum for these these mass killers um i'm pretty sure there are some similarities somewhere and i think the most basic ones are the ones you're talking about family structure what was it like when they were growing up i think that's a part of life that goes uh under under represented in in mental health is and really across the board i don't mean just to prevent shooters i mean to prevent everything that 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 uh, is detrimental from a position of mental health. I think this is something that we should look at and actively work to to help and 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 fix as a societal problem and to help people to be the best that they can be. Because if you don't know what's wrong, you don't know how to fix it. And it seems like we we already know so much, but we're doing so little. And by we, I mean we, society, the nonprofit sector, the the military, the hospital system the federal government, the state governments, and I don't rely on the government for anything, but safety and security is their job, right? That's why we have a government. And sadly, to me, it seems like they're more concerned with just about everything else except fixing the problems that are at hand right here in our backyard. Joe in Salem, Arkansas, thank you for your call. Big shout out to everybody listening on KSAR. 
And we continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. The phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. You say this was a military operation, but the result of it was that hundreds yeah, of civilians see, were killed. Because the area is very white, and there are many people there, and there was clashes and confrontation. It's no, not confrontation. No, you invaded I, I houses. I details what happened inside. But I, I can tell you that we didn't have any intention or decision to kill the civilians. How do you justify killing people as they sleep, you know, families? How do you justify I, killing I want, hundreds I, I of people? I want to stop this uh, interview. Uh, in, I want to stop this interview. So that again is, uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name. Hang on here. It's Ghazi Hamad. He is the spokesperson for Hamas, the terrorist organization, uh, that poses as a political party in Gaza. And uh, he abruptly ended this interview with uh, BBC after being challenged about the killing of innocent Israelis. And it was a simple question. The guy said to him, you know, but how do you justify killing them in their sleep? And he says, I want to end this interview. Absolutely uh, just appalling. It really, really is. Uh, you know, I, I would think he would just come out and say, well, we did that because you know, he says there was clashes. There was a lot of people. No, there was no clash. These people flew in on hang gliders and parachutes and whatnot to attack a music festival where nobody was armed and everybody was hanging out listening to music, mainly young people, and then raided different uh, small villages, if you will, and uh, burnt people alive. Absolutely insane. And I, I've seen uh, over the weekend, I saw some of the video of them doing this and they were celebrating it, you know, torching homes. That's not war. I mean, if maybe I'm wrong, somebody I'm sure is going to call and say, yeah, back in the whatever war, everybody was torturing everybody. Listen, I understand bad people do bad things, but that's not how you do it. This, this is not something that we can defend. That's like saying, well, you know, rapists rape people. Yeah, I get it. We, we shouldn't be rapists and they shouldn't exist and we should kill them. Point blank. I don't know. I tell you, this stuff is uh, it's, it's all out of control to me. Anyway, let us... Uh, continue with our conversations on uh, the shooter in Maine and what's going on with Hamas and everything else we're talking about. Not to forget Joe El Baboso Biden and Que Mala Eres, the vice president. But uh, let's go to Paul Laconia, New Hampshire, WEMJ. Paul, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Thanks, Rich. So a question. Uh, what do you call uh, a student that finishes last in his medical school class or their medical school class doctor doctor correct very good so even though they finished last they met a standard 
that allowed them to be a professional doctor. Now, if that standard, if that bar is set high enough, even the person that finishes last is good enough to be a doctor. I blame the education system in this country for not just allowing the criminally insane to be free like this person, but for a lot of the problems in this country because the bar for letting people pass into a profession and then have jobs in that profession is so low that the people that were responsible for evaluating this person, they're just, they're not people that probably take their job seriously. They just want to go, okay, all right, blah, 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 he's fine, time to go home. It's, there are people with that kind of attitude, and that should be part of the education. Like, how serious are you? Like, you know, so I blame the education system because the people that let this guy go are obviously not professionals. Now, there's a couple examples I think of why these people slip through the cracks. If you have three monsters and you let the first two go, mm-hmm. and by dumb luck, the first two don't do anything wrong. You're like, oh, well, that's that's we're doing the right thing, so we'll let the third monster go too, and that's not the right way to do things, okay? Right. Another one, this is the biggest, another one. I really want to hear your opinion on this. I'm sorry I'm dominating the conversation, but that's that's how I, I tend to lecture anyway. Um, <laughs> we got to get you a radio show. Another thing is, I, I, I appreciate your, your, your attention and your patience. This one drives me nuts because this is something that I I was aware of this in my own life. I I knew one of the victims of uh, this criminal. Criminal did a crime, uh, you know, uh, uh, of the same kind of what we're talking about. And after seven years of of evaluation, the person who committed the crime, people just said, he doesn't know he did it. He doesn't remember doing it. We've held him for seven years. We're just going to let him go. And I'm still wow. just like that. That doesn't sound right to me. And it's just doesn't like, sound okay, right to me. Either. He doesn't know he. Yeah, he doesn't know he did it. And there's tons of examples of this. It sounds it, he doesn't know he did it, but you do. But you're gonna let him go, and you know he committed the crime, and he's for some reason doesn't remember doing it. You you know you're right. And and this is the, the standard that I use. Maybe I'm wrong in applying this standard, but I'll tell you this. Oftentimes you'll hear with anything, not just killers and what we're talking about now, but with lots of things. People say, look, I don't care what they do as long as they don't do it to me. This is a cop out, right? Because you do care. And the reason I know you care is because they might do it to you. And if they do it to you, if you're going to care when they do it to you, then obviously it's something that you care about. Right. And, and, and that's always been the standard for me. So I think to myself, if I was involved in this on uh, the recipient end of being victimized by this, this madman in uh, Maine, I would, I would clearly not appreciate the outcome that you just described that somebody was there and they're saying, well, clearly he doesn't know he did. I don't care what this person knows. I don't care. I really don't care. Uh, I don't. What I will say is, I don't care if he's in death row, uh, on death row. I don't care if he's locked up in a hospital for the criminally insane, as long as he's not on the street, because that's the justice, in my opinion. If you've killed people, you should die. 
right? In in 99% of those situations, unless it's somehow like you came home, somebody was raping one of your children and you kill this person, then I don't think you should die. I think that was justifiable. But if you go and kill people that aren't looking to be killed, because obviously you're raping somebody's child, uh, yeah, you're looking to be killed. But in a situation like this, come on, this is uh, clear as day. I, whether you know it or you don't know it, you did it. And if you did it, you got to pay the price. That's it, right? Every time you run a, a run or run through a red light and, oh, I didn't see the light. Oh, I didn't know about this. Oh, I didn't see the sign and I parked there anyway. You still get the ticket. Now, you might get a judge that might be lenient, but the bottom line is you're going to pay the piper for what you've done. Paul, thanks for the call. Laconia, New Hampshire, W-E-M-J. Big shout out to everybody out in New Hampshire. Folks, we're coming right back to the rest of your calls and more before we wrap this up for the weekend. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back, amigos, and we continue with your calls. Let's go to Robert, Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Robert, quickly. Yes, please. I would just like to say that basically we have we have a society that's based on making a profit on something. In other words, doing a service and making a profit. The problem with all of these things are that they don't make a profit. And the other thing is that there's a little bit of corruption probably in there and a little bit of inefficiency because because of the lack of a profit motive. And consequently, a lot of people get left on the street. I remember in 1975, no, it was a little bit later, 1981, somewhere, somewhere around there in those years, actually 75, beginning of 75, they used to the Soviet Union started cleaning out its mental facilities and sending their people to Washington, to Washington and other places. And there were a lot of guys who had who were, who were speaking, who spoke Russian out on the street, and they had white placards with with and they, that they had written on. So my friends, I was a member of Mars Metro Area Russian Speakers, and uh, my friends told me that you know don't take any of those Russians, don't help them, they're nuts. I see. I don't know what to say to that, Robert, but thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Marcel very quickly. Sinking Spring, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Marcel, you got 45 seconds. Go for it. All right. Thank you guys very much for having me. Uh, I just want to yes, say, uh, uh, with all the stuff going on, all right, real quick, let's let's make a point, Ro, with the speaker. I mean, not the speaker. Um, with the, the the minister and the whole thing with our U.N. secretary, all right, I feel like people are not understanding what's actually going on I don't think we're going to get to it today, but we appreciate your thoughts, Marcel. Trying to call in a little earlier next time, and we'll give you a little more time. Folks, hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night, and God bless. Have a great weekend. We're going to do it all again on Monday. We got the best of program on the weekend. Don't go anywhere. There's more programming after this. I'm Rich Valdez. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.